0: Wonder about the future and how you'll be working and learning? Welcome to You You. in 2042, The Future of Work, with your host, Danielle Wallace.
1: Welcome to another edition of You in 2042, The Future of Work. Joining me today is David Langolds.
0: Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me back. I've been doing adult learning since 92 um, when I started teaching college. And I got certifications in corporate learning and I have a certificate in adult learning as well. But a lot of the lessons I learned in the college classroom, I've been able to take into adult learning. And there are some things that really bother me that I think people forget about. And that's the topic of today.
1: I love that, because as I do look out into the future of work, I'm seeing this amplified issue and this amplified need to drive engagement in our ever-increasing distracted environment. What thoughts can you give towards the reluctant learner?
0: First off, I think that sometimes we forget that some learners – are reluctant They may be intimidated by the new topics or they might be uninterested in them or if it's a major change they may be resistant as learning professionals I think it's incumbent upon us when we're designing the content with the subject matter expert to advocate on the part of the learner as you mentioned there's too many distractions So we need to be able to compete in the marketplace. And we are just one voice screaming for the user's attention.
1: Exactly. This is such an important topic. David, why are you so passionate about this?
0: I learned the hard way. (laughs) School of hard knocks. When I was teaching college, because of my background, I've got a master's degree in psychology, so that's what I was teaching the students I was teaching it to were often in programs that were completely unrelated to those topics. And the students would would be puzzled by the fact that they're in our course. And sometimes they were openly resistant and openly hostile. I actually had a student stand up in class and say, how many more of these blankety blank courses do I have to take? So I felt it was incumbent upon myself to engage them. As you said, and as we go into the future, it's going to be more. And it breaks my heart and it angers me when I see the nonsense that some people are still putting out as quote unquote learning. We still have PowerPoints masking as online learning. So we're expecting the learner to open a PowerPoint and click through it and read it. And that's what passes for online learning. And it's certainly in uh the lmss that i've worked on, and I'm sure it's on um, it's on anyone that listeners are working on
1: it is true there's lots that we can do to continue to accelerate uh the effectiveness of our learning. i'm curious to see if you have any interesting stories about what you've done in the past
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of things that uh, that got me in trouble but I was racking my brains to try to figure out, okay, how do we get the students engaged? And, you know, we all know what's in it for me, you know, WIIFM, and we're all taught this in our adult learning, uh, but we forget about it. In college, it doesn't seem to be what's in it for me. It seems to be why the hell are we taking this? So I had to show the learner right away that this is something that is part of your life. So, one of the more innocuous things I would do is in intro psychology, I would just start the first day, the normal way you do, hand out the course outline and talk about the exam and stuff like that. And then I would just do something odd. I would lay on the floor. I'd take my shoes off and put them on the lectern, or I'd walk out of the room in the middle of a sentence. And then I would return to being normal and running the class. And inevitably, somebody would ask me, What are you doing? Why are you doing that? And then I would use that as a spark to show them, Hey, you know what? You're doing psychology. Let's figure out why I was doing that. You tell me possible reasons I was doing it. So students would give me reasons like, I thought it was funny. My feet were hurting. That's why I took my shoes off. Or I'm insane. Uh, Whatever. And I would write all these things on the board. And I would say those are theories of behavior. Humans have a natural tendency to try to figure out why something is going on. And what psychology is, is a scientific examination of that. Because we've got all these theories on the board. One of them is right. Wouldn't it be helpful to know which one it is, so that as you interact with me throughout the term, if you know that I'm insane, or you know that I often do things to be funny, then that will help you predict my behavior and work with me better. So, in your job in police foundations or IT, or when you're managing people or whatever, psychology can give you some insights into helping you understand why people might be doing what they're doing.
1: Wow, I love those examples. You really arrest their attention and are able to drive home the learning point with that. How might Our listeners apply this approach.
0: I think this approach needs to be applied at the design stage or actually even before that, at the analysis stage. When you're working with your subject matter expert and you're gathering your content, you need to be interested. I assume the role of the most reluctant, uninterested, terrible student that's ever been. And I keep asking the subject matter expert, like, okay, how does this affect me? how does this affect me? Why? What am I going to do with this information? And sometimes I've actually even pushed the subject matter expert and I've challenged him or her and said, this is boring. I don't care about this. This has nothing to do with me. And if you're lucky, you can hit that emotional connection from the subject matter expert. He or she will unleash on you a passionate diatribe on why this matters and how it's going to impact your life and that's what we have to seize upon we have to seize upon that emotional connection
1: what would happen if we don't keep this in mind
0: well then we have a lot of the boring pointless waste of time checkbox training that we have right now and then people say, "Oh, why aren't they learning? I don't understand why people aren't paying attention to this. I don't oh, you know what they they didn't learn this. They need more training. they need more training. they don't need more training. They need to care about the training that they're already getting. and you know what, Danielle, this is so basic, and we all learn this. Anybody listening to this who has any formal training in adult education at all should know this. I mean, if you go all the way back to Malcolm Knowles' book, the 1973 book on the adult learner, one of the things he says, his sixth principle of adult learning is adults need to know why they need to learn something. Simple as that. And, and you know what? To be blunt, if we're doing training on something that they don't need to learn, why are we doing it?
1: so much of the learning industry is still focused on nice to know not need to know
0: and you know nice to know is fine if it's interesting if there's some reason they care about it you know if if we think about our own regular everyday life we know that there are certain sounds or places or smells or songs that trigger a meaning because of that emotional connection. If we can get an emotional connection with the training, then they'll remember it. Oh, I got to give you this example. So I was at Costco a few years ago, and this person came up to me and he said, uh, oh, uh, Mr. Langlots, uh, I was a student in your sociology class at Humber College. And Danielle, this is going back like 20 years. And I'm sorry to say I didn't remember the student. The guy, he calls his wife over and he's like, oh, this is that teacher I was telling you about. He said, do you remember the time you jumped on my desk? (laughs) (laughs) And I remembered that because I was um, covering just the basic, basic sociology and basic, you know, theories of society and the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat from Karl Marx. And, you know, about all the advantages that the bourgeoisie have over the proletariat and And I could tell the students didn't care about this. And really, it had no purpose to them. So I jumped up on the desk and down. And then I went back to writing on the board. And the student was quite annoyed and said, why did you do that? What the hell are you doing? I said, well, I just felt I had to jump on your desk. What are you talking about? And the student said, hey, if I jumped on the desk, you'd kick me out of class. And I went, Yeah. And when I was at Costco and the guy said, hey, this is the teacher jumped on my desk. I said to him, I said, and why did I jump on your desk? And he said, oh, because you were explaining how rich and powerful people in society have a much uh, can get away with stuff that regular people can't. And I'm like, there you go.
1: He got the learning point.
0: Because he cared about the learning point because it was so in your face and so shocking that he was connected to it. Now, I don't recommend that people spend their days jumping on desks or doing all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But we have to admit to ourselves that not everybody out there, not everybody in our audience is excited to learn this material. In fact, some of them are scared about it, and some of them are quite resistant. They just, hey, I am not learning this. This is a bad idea. This is BS. And we have to find a way to reach them. And if we don't, then we're not accomplishing anything.
1: So true. And these are very tangible principles that we can apply to our own work now that really will set us up for the future of work. I'm taking away three main points. One, to focus the activity or the emotions on that learning point, uh, to make the learners care, yeah. Two, put yourself in the learner's shoes and design with that learner in mind, again, to drive home why they should care. And then thirdly, get the subject matter experts to share the emotions about why people should care to (laughs) connect with this content and then harness that.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's part of the unique role that we can play as learning professionals is we can help the subject matter expert bridge that gap and it's up to us to remind them that, hey, not everybody cares about this. I have to find a purpose in this. And even when I'm doing training on our corporate policies, I I push the person who wrote the policy and I'm like, how does this affect me? And then I think, oh, well, what if in my job I want to do this or I want to do that or sometimes I've even said to the subject matter expert hey you know what I did this at another company and then they're like oh you can't do that that's a violation of the policy and I'll use that as an example because (laughs) if I care about it then it's more likely that the learner's going to care about it
1: those are good tips again practical steps we can all apply to drive care in these topics for ourselves so in turn that we can ensure our learners will care and retain this information. Useful insights to apply today that really set us up for the future where we are striving to continually engage this ever-distracted, reluctant learner. David, thank you so much for your time.
0: Oh, thank you, Danielle. It's been fun. We'll see you again.